Well, good morning and welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. Are we ready to worship God today? It's a good morning to worship God. Amen. Well, if you're visiting this morning, a special welcome. I see some visitors already. We're excited you're here. And we just pray that God would touch your hearts today. Last week, we had uh, Gord Mitchell share a bit of a testimony. How many enjoyed that? That was pretty good, right? So we have another testimony today. And it's coming from Andrea Puckalo. Where are you, Andrea? Come on up. I was at her house on Friday with Joel, and she shared a bit of her testimony. I thought, we need to share this today before we go into worship. So come on in and share your testimony. All right. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Okay, so um, we just moved into the area here. So we have a new house, and there's always some things that have to get fixed, right? So we have a lot of people coming to our house. And um, so I'm always praying, Lord, like, what... What do you want to do for this person, and how can I be an instrument? So uh, we had one guy come in, and just right away I was like, Lord, just give me, I don't know, just do it. <laughs> and um, so he, he came in, and uh, we just were having simple conversation, and it, it was really easy. It was just, um, I said, where do you live? And he's like, I live in, you know, I live in an acreage, and it's, yeah, I really like it out there. It's it's really peaceful, and I'm like, hey, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I'm all about peace, and I actually, we wanted to move to the country, but we compromised and moved to the city, because I love, I'm an, I'm an acreage girl. Like, I'm not a city girl. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, it's like there's something about, like, a, a force, you know. Um, it just, I feel better on, on acreage. I'm like, I totally understand. And, you know, sometimes we can we can feel people's, um, stuff where we can just um, be really sensitive and we just need to have peace and so we just started talking about peace and it just led right into talking about the father and um, he opened up and was actually just kind of crying in my kitchen and and he's he was so embarrassed he's like I, I, I don't know uh, I'm so sorry can you please not tell my boss <laughs> because I don't want to be unprofessional and I'm like it's okay like God just loves you and the father wants to, to embrace you. Just Your father didn't embrace you, and he kind of, you know, hurt you. But the father loves you and um, randomly. And so I just want to encourage you that it's actually so easy. Like, if we just open our mouths, God fills and leads us in the way. And, you know, I, I, I think like everyone, we get a little scared. Like, how do we share? Um, but if we just trust that God is bigger and he's in control and he knows what to say and we just be obedient then miracles can happen. And anyways, this guy, I hope he comes back because, I mean, it's not fixed. So <laughs> the cabinet still needs to be fixed. So anyways, yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to keep his name confidential, but um, we'll call him Bill. Bill. We just pray for Bill right now. And God, we thank you that he encountered you and that he encountered the love of the Father. And um, we just want to give him a hug right now from our body to him right now in the spirit and just say, you are loved. You are worthy. You are accepted. And we just, um, we just speak joy into his spirit, peace and over his mind, and just complete um, alignment and healing in Jesus' name for him and his family and his father. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning as we go into worship, this is the God we worship. He's always ready to do good things, right? That's the God we worship. So this morning, he is here, and he is saying to us, will you come? 
So let's just come to the Father this morning. Let's honor him. Let's love him today. So, Father God, we love you. We choose to worship you because you are good, because you are full of love. You are full of faithfulness. You are full of so many amazing things. And today we just say yes to you, God, because you are good. And so, God, we put away all those distractions, all those things that sometimes take us down, and we just say, God, we're going to worship you because you're the one who can take us through all that stuff. So let's worship him today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, keep drawing. Keep drawing on that life. Lord, we declare that you are the source of life. Every good thing comes from you. In you we live and move and have our being. Oh God, we depend on you. We draw on your life, Father, for our nation. For our nation. For our nation, for the province of Alberta, for the city of Spruce Grove, God, we declare that you are the answer. Oh, God, breathe upon, breathe upon this land. Come on, friends. Worship is not just songs. It's pulling on the resource that is in heaven, the life and the glory and the beauty of God. Worship, worship is pulling down what is available. Oh God, oh God, we say that we need you, we love you, we want you, and we draw near to you today. Oh, come on, let's sing it. Let's sing it like our lives dependent upon the next moment that he supplies. So over the last week, I've just been dealing with, in my heart, this unbelief. And then coming in this morning, just hearing this song. And then the verse of where Jesus goes to pray for the dead daughter. And the father says, but she's already dead. And, he's, and he says, if you would only believe. And he says, okay, God, Jesus, forgive my unbelief and help me to believe. So I just feel in my heart, I'm just going to pray that, oh, God. Jesus, I just ask that you would forgive me for my unbelief, Father. When my heart wavers, Jesus, forgive me for that, God, because I know that you are the one true God. I know that if I pray in faith that mountains can be cast into the sea if I just believe. So, God, forgive my heart. Forgive me for where I'm weak. Jesus, I want to believe with my whole heart because the Word says that if we have faith, anything is possible in your name. And I believe that's why we don't see it's because we don't believe. We don't see the power of God because we don't fully believe. So Jesus, I ask that you would forgive my broken heart. Forgive my broken, unbelieving heart, God, that just doesn't fully believe. God, I want to fully believe. So I just ask Jesus this morning that you would instill faith, that there would be a new wave of faith that would come upon your people this morning, God. That we would believe, that we would believe wholeheartedly that if we say to the mountain, go and be cast into the sea, that it would go. Jesus, we believe. You know, when uh, Jesus was doing what he was doing, his ministry, the works, the miracles, and the disciples came to him and said, Lord, how, how do we do what you do? How do we work 
these kinds of works? How do we do these kinds of miracles? And he, and he, he, he diverted their attention from that by saying, he says, this is the work of God that you believe, that you believe, that you believe. And everybody, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian today, you have a belief system. You credit, you credit and, uh, for failure or success different elements in your life. You hold different things responsible for success or failure. And ultimately, if you don't see God, you limit it to everything that you can see, feel, and touch. But I'm telling you, faith reaches through the veil. Faith reaches into a realm where the life of God is available that holds all things together. The Word of God says that Jesus holds all things together by the Word of His power. Even the molecules, the atoms, are held together by the word of his mouth. Anything that is, exists because of him. Anything that can be, can only be because of him. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So Lord, we turn our hearts to you today. And we say we believe in you. We believe in you and God. We pray for every church in Parkland County. We pray for the churches of Alberta. We pray, God, for the sleeping giant that is the believing community. We say awake to a faith that pulls on the resources of heaven. Oh, God, awaken Awaken your people, Lord, across across this nation to believe, to believe. So, Father, this morning we pray as believers, as ones who say we do trust in you. God, we say that that trust would increase, that the bandwidth of our faith would broaden God, that we would find ourselves rooted in your strength, rooted in the power that you supply. And God, that that our worship will increase exponentially as we realize, God, it was you. It always was you. Your life, your power, your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning as you're here, we're about to shift and you might not be a Christian. Maybe, you're, maybe you don't know what it means to be a Christian. But it really is about discovering that He is the source of life. That God has created you for His own purposes, for His own glory, for His own goodwill, for His own plan. And that He called you to serve Him with all your might and all your strength. That you would believe that He loved you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on your behalf, to pay for all of your failures, to shed His blood for the forgiveness of sins. So, Father, we pray today
God, that our faith would increase. Lord, I pray if anybody today is here who does not know you, God, that the, the power of your presence would become so clear that they will want to know you and cry out to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you noticed some of the songs we were singing this morning, but uh, the, the, the one we spent before the last song, the one we spent a great deal of time on, uh, and I, I, I should have taken a picture of it so I could read some of the words, but, but it's, it was about building your house. I will build my life on your love, and I will not be shaken. We were singing this song this morning, and I'm going to share about something. Actually, the scripture I have is that exact scripture. I was up late last night and uh, couldn't sleep, and so I began, you know, doing all the things I always do, dishes, cleaning up the house, (laughs) preparing dinner for today, putting out the coffee. Well, I didn't do that. I did make coffee last night. I did do the dishes. But I, I did spend some time uh, just just with the Lord, and I I begin to feel I begin to feel this atmosphere coming on me, and the difficulty you know and the reason why I don't often give titles to sermons is because I don't get words I get sort of atmospheres that come on me, and last night I got an atmosphere that came on me, which began to distinguish the difference between what I could do and what he can do. And, and so there's a scripture in you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It talks about how, how the natural man doesn't understand the things of the spirit because the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned and that we're comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I mean, get that, right? Not spiritual things with natural, spiritual things with spiritual. And so, so when, when we communicate about spiritual things, we have to try and create some links to things that we already understand. You know, we use words, we use, we use analogies, we use these things, but, but really there is, there is a knowledge that is so high above what you can even think or imagine, and that knowledge is what we're trying to participate in. So is it any wonder that it's sometimes hard to hit the central mark of these things. I mean, if it's really higher than you can imagine, A, how can we get it? And then B, how can we even communicate it? Even if you get a taste of it, how do you do that? It's a pretty impossible task. But that's why John says this. It says that we have an anointing from God and that we have no need that anybody can teach us. And the reason we have no need that anybody can teach us is because nobody can teach you these things. They have to be revealed. And so the message here, the preaching, is about, is about an intermediary moment when the Holy Spirit needs to take what he, is, he has in his heart. What I was visited with last night and somehow transmitted to you, and I want to tell you, I don't know how to do that this morning. Because... These things are so beyond me, so beyond us, but it is a, I mean, it is a treasure that God wants 
to show us his kingdom. And so I want you to lean in with me right now, not just in listening to, you know, every word, but open your spirit right now to say, God, I want to understand your kingdom. Lord, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Even as Paul prayed for the disciples, God, we pray for that, that, that gifting of the Holy Spirit that only you can do to bring down these things and make them real for us in a way we have never been able to think about or understand or even grasp. I pray in Jesus' name. Now, another difficult thing about sharing is this, is that we, we tend to be compartmental people. And that means we, we, as soon as, in order to understand something, we, gotta, we classify it. It's like, it's like somebody starts talking about something we don't understand. We're looking for a file folder from which to draw from to, in order to actually, you know, because what does that work? Okay, where does that fit? I mean, what are you talking about? Let me, I have to find a viewpoint from which to even begin to grasp. And the thing is, the things of the kingdom of God are, are so above that. And so I don't want to, as soon as I start to share this verse, you can say, oh yeah, I heard a sermon on that. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to read a very familiar verse. And oh yeah, oh yeah, I know that. Oh, I remember the first time I heard that. Yeah, it was, it used to be revolutionary. <laughs> that, that was significant to me at one time. It did make, and then you go to the past and all the ways that you've seen and understood that thing. And so I almost hesitate to use the common language because what I felt like, I know this scripture. I know the truth that I want to talk about this morning. But what I felt last night was something so much higher. And so I want to, why are you saying this? I want to raise your expectations that maybe there's something here that you don't know. Because there's something here that I don't know. There's something here that I want to come into. And uh, and, and it starts with this scripture. And we sang it so many times here this morning in different ways. But I remember it impacted me as a young Christian. It's the scripture where Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. And I remember as a young Christian thinking, nothing? I can do this. <laughs> right? You know, it, it was like, it's like well, that doesn't really totally make sense. And it must be applying to, you know, certain elusive things that I yet can't do. You know? But, but I, over the years, Jesus would come back to me again and again at different times in my life, particularly when I was failing, particularly when things were not working out as I hoped they would work out, when things weren't coming together that I thought I knew I could do because I had all these sermons and these teachings and I'd read the Bible and I thought, I'll just do this. And it wasn't, I wasn't getting the results that he was getting. And I, and I said, why is this not working? Because without me, you can do nothing. And so I want to throw this out there because the preaching of the word of God is not to inform your mind, but to convince your heart. Yeah. All right? Preaching is not about giving you information. It's about changing the direction of your heart. It's about, it's about changing the amount in which you depend on him. And if you think, oh, well, I can do this. This I can do, but this I can't do. Then God has got to actually dial back in your life and, and bring you to a place of humility and, 
have those things that you have, think you can do and have them crumble so that you realize, oh, I can't do that either. And it's amazing because the list of things that I thought I could do has diminished greatly over the years. And I realized that the only reason I thought I could do them was because I had a, an inferior idea of what it was that, that, that it was. And so I mimicked it. I did something like it, but not it. And so if we're going to see the kingdom, well, oh, I know what the kingdom is. No, you don't. I don't. We get a tiny layer of what the kingdom is about. Why, did, why else would he say, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, what do you mean seek the kingdom? His kingdom is as elusive as his righteousness. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you're realizing that your, under, your understanding of what is actual good is increasingly changing. And, and what's, what's, what you're letting go is, is all the ideas of the way that you lined up and you mastered good. And then you realize, no, I didn't master good. I pretended to be good. I said good things from a bad heart. I said, hey, how you doing? When I didn't like that person. Is that good? No, that was your best attempt at being good. And so there's this evolution where you're discovering that the thing you thought you could do, you're not doing, and you can't do. And so that's why we have this here over here. I, I, uh, it was interesting watching him put it together because... It wasn't really coming together that easily. And, but it, finally, it's here. But it is what we call a house of cards, not to be confused with a certain television series. <laughs> Did you watch that series, Michael? <laughs> yes. Telling your mom. <laughs> but, but last night, I was, I was feeling... The, the, the reality that everything that man does is basically a house of cards. And the, the pictorial, the metaphor of the house of cards is, is it's nothing. It's, it, it, it appears to be something, but it, you give it a little shake, a little gust of wind, a little bit of anything, and it's gone. It's totally gone. And so last night as I was just in the presence of the Lord, I, I remembered back to a feeling I had here on our recent trip to Africa, and it was in a church. And, uh, I mean, we had, uh, at the last meeting, there was about 700 people in the church. It was, I mean, it was, it was you know, and on some levels, it was, it was great. It was wonderful. And I, and I kept looking. I kept being drawn to a pastor in the church, and, and I kept looking at him, and I kept feeling his heart. And I thought, I thought, oh, God. Because I've, I go to churches all the time. And uh, we do our very best job to be the body of Christ. But what I'm discovering is that our very best job is not even close to hitting the mark. You think, well, isn't that a kind of a humiliating discovery? No. Well, not after the 50th time. <laughs> Maybe the first time that God visits you and says, says to you, your, your service to me is a, is a house of cards. Well, why would God do that? Well, if he hasn't done that to you yet, it's because 
maybe you're not free enough in his presence. But when he starts to do that, it's an honor. Because he's saying, listen, I want to show you what I can do. This, this is what we can do. And uh, the other night I was, I was in a meeting with, um, I won't even say his name, but he was alluding to something. I thought it was really interesting because he was alluding to a time some years ago when we were in the middle of something and I was involved in this, uh, this thing with him and there was some kind of, we, we thought we were on the edge of revival, I remember. And he was talking about, he said, you know, 20 years ago, there'd be 600 people here tonight. Because there was this excitement and there was this momentum and there was this, this, this euphoria that, man, we are on the edge of revival. We are on the edge of something we have never seen before. And then all of a sudden, boom, like a house of cards, it just came to nothing. And it brought a lot of disillusionment as people who, who thought this thing was the next best thing. You know, this was going to be, this, I had never... You know, we, we had never seen anything as powerful, as wonderful. The unity was great. The love was great. The manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. It just can't get better than this. But here's the thing. Everything that we build that has our fingerprint on it has some element of being a house of cards. But the promise that God has, it says, listen, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I went through that disillusionment that he was referring to. I went through that disappointment because it came not only with the sense that this thing that we thought had so much purity and so much momentum, we realized, ah, once again, the flesh of man has worked its way into the fabric of this thing. and, And now the weakest link is exposed because man's fingerprint in God's work is always the the weakest link. But you think, we didn't even see it. Like how did, when we were doing that, we didn't know there was any, we thought it was, this is so pure. This is so pure. Why? Because it was the purest thing we'd ever seen. Not because it was really that pure. I mean, whose perspective are you looking from, right? It's like the adult and the child, you know? The child bringing their wonderful art. Frame this, send it to, you know, the Louvre. And the parent, well, we'll just put it on the fridge. <laughs> right? You're, you're, there's an evolution of your sense of what is good, what is amazing. And so we, as the body of Christ, we're discovering all this about righteousness, about holiness, about the kingdom of God, about love, about trust. Have you ever said, I trust you with all my heart? Have you ever said that to a person that you're not walking with at all today? What is, I mean, what, what is permanent? What, is, what can stand the test of time? What, what, what is there that can't be shaken? That's a pretty good house. It could stand up to two tiny little shakings. So, I'm coming to my scripture. But I was, I was feeling the, the effort that this pastor had put into assembling this thing that he was, he was very proud of. And he was, he was, but it wasn't just pride, but I felt fear. I felt pride and fear. I felt like, man, 
I want you guys to really be impressed with what we're doing here. But I felt like the fear was one really good solid wind is going to blow this thing over. One tiny little shaking is, and it's, and it's gone. And we've seen that. We, we have seen that in our life experience. And this is what my associate the other night was referring to, is that we were part of things that we thought, this is, this is likely the thing that's going to take us into the second coming of Christ. This is the best thing. This is the greatest. This is the purest. And then that came to nothing. And maybe you were a part of a home group, or maybe you were part of a church, maybe you were part of a ministry, maybe you were part of something, and it, it, didn't, it didn't give its... And you gave yourself fully to that thing, and then it turned out, ah, the fingerprints of men were on all over this thing. And there was a sense of disillusionment, and then something else came along, and you thought, well... This could be it. You hesitated, but then you gave yourself to that thing. And then in time, that thing proved to have the fingerprints of men. And then you were disillusioned, but you thought, but I still love God. So you watched TV for a few months and saw some TV preachers maybe or this or that or sent some money to UNICEF or, you know, maybe eventually you made it back, your way back into some fellowship. But, you know, a little more little more jaded, a little more, well, you know what, let's see where this goes. Let's see. So you start looking for the fingerprints, even before there's any evidence of any fingerprints, because your experience has already told you. Yeah. I don't want to get my hopes up. Let me tell you. Like the iPhone, we're on number 10 now. There have been many generations of it. And the version we have now is better than any other version. But, but this is the way that it works. We go from generation to generation. You know, the word of the Lord is, is uh, pure, it says in the Psalms. It's purified seven times. Seven times. And so there is this refining and this purifying process. And our problem is that there's something in us that gets invested and then seemingly betrayed. And we lose hope. But how can, how can I garnish that same kind of enthusiasm I did the first time? Am I forever stuck in this place where I can only give my tiny sliver of my heart until it proves safe. And you know, and that, as I put you through the ringer of my judgment and the grid of my perspective, my analyzing, you know, check your consistency and, and so, you know, I'll maybe give you a sliver more, a sliver more. Is that the way this is supposed to go? How can you be all in with all the experiences that you've had? Now, you can. You can be all in. You can be all in. And I wasn't intending to go totally down this lane, so I veered off a little bit. But, but it, it's, it's the X-Man thing. The X-Man secret is what you need. And it's the Wolverine X-Man secret. You know what the Wolverine X-Man secret is? Wolverine could run into any situation with great courage. 
He could give himself fully without fear to any situation. You know why? He healed. He healed. And if you find yourself in a position today where you are tentative about committing yourself to people, if you are tentative about committing yourself to a church body or the organized church, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I know lots of people, people I ran hard with who now are in little home groups out in the side of nowhere, you know, suspicious about the organized church. Well, the only thing we have to be concerned about is, is can we heal? And if we're still in fear, if we're still in insecurity, if we still can't really commit ourselves to something, then we haven't found the very most basic thing that you can find, which is restoration for your souls. What God gives you is an ability to invest yourself fully in people, even if they're not going to come through for you. Well, how do you do that? I mean, most of us live... We survive by being tentative and careful. This is why safe places have become all the rage lately. You know why safe places are all the rage out there? Because safe places are all the rage in here. Not the same way, but I'm I'm telling you, the generation that's coming, and we are gradually coming to it, it it is a generation that actually believes God. That it believes this, that there, okay, maybe this thing fell apart. And maybe the people, you know, were not as faithful as I thought they should be or ought to be. And, may, and I don't know what mistakes I made in this thing. But I know that there's a version of this that is being established that cannot be shaken. My confidence is not that Ken's never going to make a mistake or... Cam's never going to make a mistake, or people are, are always going to love me, because I've found that people don't always love me. Except for Brian and Grace. My confidence is that God is doing something. And I'm invested, because if God is doing something, then that thing that he wants to do should not only manifest in others, but it should manifest in me first. I mean... This is the thing. We want others to prove that it's real for us by them being the continuous, stable versions of that. But God is saying, no, you do it. You love unconditionally. You forgive. Yeah, but... No, no, no. You forgive. Okay, I forgive, but I won't forget. No, no, no. (laughs) Really forgive... And what that means is that you, you can actually fully invest your heart again. Yes. See, we, God can't do this with a people who are half-hearted. God can't do this with a people who are holding back because, well, people disappointed them. Let me tell you, it says love never fails. The Bible says love never fails. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm the most loving in this equation. They left me. Love never fails. That means you can love again. That means, that means you can trust again. The reason why God's mercies are new every morning is God loves. Not because you are a good investment. Well, if I find the church that just is... Then I'll give myself fully to it. But even then, I actually can't because... I'm 
I'm so jaded on one level. I, I can only give 15%. But I'll give that 15 fully. I'm telling you, God is, God is after something with us. There's a wholeness. There's a healing. Why do you think Jesus said, when somebody slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek? Turn the other cheek. He didn't say, go home and write books about them. <laughs> he said, turn the other cheek. Why, why is that? Now, this is not a, a foreign policy initiative here. He wasn't saying this, you know, as your military uh, strategy, as a, as, a, as, a, as a nation. He's talking about, this is how you get whole as an individual. How do you get whole as an individual? Make yourself vulnerable again. Why? Because the only part of you that can get hurt, hurt is the part of you that doesn't believe. Because love and faith can overcome the world. See, I, 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 you know, just to wrap up this part, I look at the world, and I've talked about this before, but we are getting to the place where our, where our, our culture has, knows nothing virtually about, about fellowship, relationship. I mean, the, the, your, the church community, if you're a part of this church community, this is some of, the, some of the most unique scenarios you're going to have. I was talking to a fellow recently, and he said, well, you know, you don't really have many friends in your life. You have maybe two. Maybe two friends. Everybody else is acquaintances. And sure enough, that's the way this guy lived. You know, I mean, oh, he could talk it up with anybody. You know, in the coffee shop at the store, and he's gregarious. And, uh, but it was all, all surface. We're losing the ability to open our hearts to people because we're so wounded. And we don't know how to get healed. How you get healed is not by looking for a safe place, but by being a safe place. How do you be a safe place? Well, I tell you, you can hate me and I'll still love you. You can have a bad, bad day and I'll treat you tomorrow morning like yesterday never happened. Well, how do you do that? Because each time you forgive, each time you believe again, each time you decide to make an investment, to risk, to turn the other cheek, you're putting something to death. The part you want to put to death. The part that somehow keeps making its way into every house of cards that we build, thinking this is the thing. The, 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 the mystery is that everything you do, everything you produce, comes out of the issues of your heart. And if you have unbelief and fear, trepidation, a need for safety, if you have ambition and pride, that stuff is making its way into the structure. That's why the church, as it is right now, this body, I mean, I, I love this body. I think this is the best expression of church I've ever known. But I'm under no illusion that it's the best that will be. But my, the, so the unknown is, well, what needs to be different? And somebody says, well, we should sing more Bethel songs. <laughs> Not talking about that. That's all about preferences and culture. I'm talking about hearts. Yeah. The heart that can bind itself to the brother and the sister next to you, that is the essential building block of this thing. And that happens through your willingness to walk with him. And what he's telling you is what he's telling me. 
And it's this, you be the church. You be the one. And I remember what, you know, and I've shared this before, I know, but in, in the earlier years, I remember when I was, I had all these prophetic words about, you know, how God was going to use me around the world and in this different ways, and, and it wasn't happening. And I'm saying, saying, you know, I'm a little irritated because we're struggling financially and nobody's supporting our ministry and I'm trying to obey God. And, and, and I'm saying, Lord, you know, it's your people. It's the church. <laughs> and, uh, well, he, you know, he said, well, it might be, but why don't you then be the better version you think you, it, that is required? Why don't you be that one? Remember years ago, uh, it, was, it was Bill Hammond said, said, when people drew a circle and excluded me, I, built, I drew a bigger circle and included them. I love that saying because I remember thinking, I remember watching him and I, I remember thinking, what is it that he has? I know he's, a, he's got written all these books, but, but I'm, what, what is it that brought him into the sphere that he is as an international global leader? And that was it right there. When he said that, I knew this, this is it. When you choose to love, when you choose that, when you're thinking, oh, you know, uh, nobody loves me, everybody's mean to me, well, then, then you go and do the, be the person. You go be the one that's hosting others. You go be the one that's loving. You find the unlovely and you love them. Yeah, but, you know, I wanted to be an elder. I wanted to be a pastor. I'm called to be an evangelist. And, and this denomination and those people aren't recognizing me as such. Your destiny is in your hands. Your ability to be the body of Christ is right within your grasp. So this morning, as we are, and I'm on... I'm, Wrapping up here, I, let me read this. It says, it says in um, Luke six forty six. but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Oh, interesting start. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the steam beat vehemently against that house and could, and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the rock without a foundation against which the steam the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great there's two uh, parts of this that stuck out to me as I was rereading it the man who built his house on the rock, this is what it says, he dug deep. He dug deep. If you are willing to dig deep, I'm not talking about digging into the errors of others. I'm not talking about discovering the essential sin of the church. You know, I'll tell you what, what's wrong with what you people should be doing. It's more evangelism. What you people should be doing is change the color in here. Get a smoke machine. <laughs> sing more hymns. Don't sing hymns. <laughs> you know, on and on it goes. The problem is not the administration and, and the nuts and bolts out there. The problem, what actually constitutes what is being built, comes out of the issues of our collective hearts. 
I mean, what really holds this thing together is Jesus at work in you, binding you to others in love. So what, what digging deep means is understanding, seeing that you are the weak link. You mean me? I mean us. I mean, I mean any of us. We are the weak link. And so the work that God is doing, and I love to talk about this from the standpoint of, you know, God, God's going to have a great house. He's gonna, I mean, the revival's coming, the glory's coming. There's going to be, you know, uh, um, men, of, men of Issachar with an understanding of the times and the dread warriors and spiritual giants. And there's a generation of the sons of... All true. All true. I love that stuff. And that encourages me to believe it's possible. But then you still have to answer the question, how is it going to come, to come about? And for that, you can't get away from the nuts and bolts of dig deep. Dig deep. Dig deep. Find out. Because in the same way, man, we thought that thing was so great. We couldn't see it failing or coming to nothing or diminishing. We thought this was just going to into glory. But now we see, oh, there were schisms. There were weak places. There were ambitions. There was pride. There was agendas. There was these things. Dig deep. Find out. Well, I'll love these people if they stroke me this way. I'll love these people if, so the, the, under these conditions. I mean, the whole thing about being all in is I have no conditions. And you may think, well, where's that in the Bible? He that would be greatest must be servant of all. Well, I don't want to be the greatest. <laughs> So who can I not serve <laughs> and still maintain a decent place? <laughs> I think the spirit of the idea <laughs> is that what accelerates your individual participation in the thing that will not pass away, in the thing that cannot be shaken, is finding in your own place the things that are built on sand. And this building on sand is anything that is not him, anything that is not pure, anything that is not completely love, anything that is not selfless. You see, every time, and this is, this is what I keep finding out about myself, every time I get disappointed in people, every time I get frustrated about the church or this or that thing not happening, God says to me, hey, you remember nothing's impossible to him that believes? Direct your heart towards me. Your disappointment is evidence that you're putting your hope in others and, the, and you can be the answer by putting your hope in me. Yeah. Digging deep. And you, I don't know, you, around here we get tired of that because I'm always calling people to dig deep. Now the other part of it, and I'm going to try and fix, finish this really quickly, says, but he who heard and did nothing it's easy to read that and say, well, that's not me. I didn't do nothing. I think nothing sort of is not everything. In other words, they say, listen, if you love, the, he writes in, Paul writes in Corinthians, love never fails. 
Never fails, never fails, never fails. The beautiful thing about relationships is you only need one person to really think this, this relationship matters. Unrequited love may be humbling, but it works. Just ask your dog. <laughs> right? If you ever had a dog, you know that the steadfast, merciful, mercies are new every morning, the love, the, the gaze, the gratitude for food, the, you know, I tell that joke about who loves you more, your wife or your dog? You heard that one, right? Yeah. Should I tell it again? Yeah, some of you might not know it. Who loves you more, your wife or your dog? Well, you put them both in the trunk of your car for an hour. You come back an hour later. When you open up the trunk, which one's happy to see you? That might be unrealistic. (laughs) But, But the reality is, you tend to like people that always smile when you come in the door. Right? Norm on cheers. It's like, you know, everybody loves a place where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You know, go to somebody's house and you're always greeted warmly and, 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 and doted on. It's like, I like this place. Well, be that place. Be that place. The world out there, they, they don't know how to be that without conditions, without a contract, without a, you fulfill, you scratch my back and then I'll think about scratching yours. The body of Christ, what we have in Jesus, is a limitless commitment of love. So, Father, I pray today that through my mumbling, that you will have, you can bring down something of a revelation of the kind of building you're doing, the possibility for something that cannot be shaken in our marriages, in our relationships with friends. God, we, we choose today, and if you're willing to do this, I want you to just pray this in your heart. I choose to be one who will never be shaken. Now, you might be afraid to say that, because it'll mean that God will have to search out those places that can be shaken. Because he's going to remove the things that can be shaken in order that you can be a person who can't be shaken. And that's not an easy process. But I'm telling you, the the body of Christ that's coming, the wave of revival that's coming, is not just this fantastic, blissful moment where we become engulfed in a euphoric sense of God's presence and we become... We don't need to do anything anymore. The opposite is true. So I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would put your finger on those things in our lives that keep us from being the answer to our communities, the answer to our families, the answer to uh, those who would come in to visit this church. Here they would find a people who will turn the other cheek when they are imperfect that we won't storm out the doors and out of each other's lives because we want to be a part of the wave. I pray that you, uh, Holy Spirit, would make this real to us in the days to come. In Jesus' name.